Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, what's up, World Overcomers family? It's Pastor Tony. Come on in the room. I'm so glad to be with you for week four of Can I Speak to the Manager series. I hope you've been blessed over the last couple of weeks. We've got two more weeks to go, and I want you to stick with me because we're going somewhere, and we are becoming better managers over the resources that God has placed us in charge of. Like we talked about the first week, we're simply the manager. God owns everything. And if we prove ourselves to be faithful to manage what God has given us, I believe that we qualify for more. I think we qualify for elevation. I think we qualify for the riches and the wealth that God has stored up in heaven because he needs some good managers on the earth to get what God has in heaven into the earth realm, okay? So before we get started, I want you to do something for me. I want you to hit like. I want you to hit share. I want you to tag somebody, and I want you to repeat the manager's creed with me. Are you ready? We've been doing it every week, and so we're going to stay consistent. It is this. I am the manager of my life. This life was entrusted to me to give God glory and to bless all that I come in contact with. I cannot control what happens to me, but I can control how I respond and manage what happens in my life. So I'm going to ask you like I've been asking you every week. Can I speak to the manager? You are the manager. The buck stops with you. The heights that you will go to or the width that you will live is uh, incumbent upon the way that you manage everything that God has put in charge of your life. Let's just, as a little recap, the first week we just talked about in general why we are managers and what the things we are managing over. Week two, we talked about my mind in the middle, that the only way we're going to transform this world is that we have transformation in our mind. And the things that we let reside in our minds, the things that we think on, the things that we meditate on, and the things that we uh, evict out of our thought life are going to be a determinant factor in how well we will manage. And last week, we talked about it's a trap. We, talk about, we talked about the emotions and, and the traps that life and the enemy will set up uh, for us in order to get us off of our mission. Because like I said before, the devil doesn't care about you being saved. He doesn't, he doesn't care about you being on your way to heaven. What he does care about is getting you distracted off of your mission. And I'm telling y'all, there are a lot of traps. So I hope that on this week you study, say, God, show me the traps. Show me the places where I keep fumbling and I keep uh, going off the road into a ditch because the enemy is slowing me down from my progression of being the, the, the full Christian and the full believer that you called me to be. So this week, guys, we're going to talk about some, some tough times, okay? I think that if, if I just told you about just preparing yourselves for the high moments and cotton candy and lollipops and the highs of life, I think that is, that is a spiritual malpractice to only talk about the good things. We need to learn to manage dry seasons. I want somebody to type that in the chat for me. Dry seasons. Yes, to this life, 
rain must fall. And just like there is a, a spring, a summer, a fall, and a winter, there are dry seasons in our lives. There are times where we feel like we're on top of the mountain and everything we declare, God is already dispatching angels and he, he's producing those things in our lives and our faith is, is at our all-time high. And then there are times in life where we feel like we're praying and the sound is just bouncing up against the ceiling and coming right back down to us. That everything we touch is turning to lead and everywhere I turn, I'm getting into issue and uh, the, the people are like taking numbers of which one's going to get in the ring and going to pummel me and, and send me through turmoil. There are some times in life where we go through dry seasons. And I believe the degree to which we manage those dry seasons determines how we're going to live in our harvest season. So let's get into it today, okay? We're going to uh, pick up at uh, the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. And this is chronicling Elijah as he was dealing with all the kings of Israel. Anybody know Elijah was a prophet that spoke specifically to the kings, and he was a voice piece of the Lord God and giving direction to the king as to how they would lead uh, God's people. And the king at the time was Ahab. And in the 16th chapter, they're talking about how all, all the other kings preceded him and how they started off okay and they finally, and then they veered off from what God was telling them to do. But, but at the end of 16, it talks about how Ahab was worse than all the other kings combined. I mean, he did everything he could do just to, just to spit in God's face and do things that were paganistic and to, and to uh, just outright just defy God. And so God had impressed and put a word in Elijah's mouth, and we're going to pick, it, pick up right here at 1 Kings 17 chapter and the first verse. And it says this, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. Number two says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And said, leave here, turn eastward and hide in a Carith ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook there, and I have directed ravens to supply you with food there. So he did as the Lord told him. He went to the Carith ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. And look at this, y'all. God is true to his word. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he did drink from the brook. So we're going to talk about dry seasons. Now, you may say, Pastor Tony, why, why are you talking about when a prophet is saying something and it gets, and it gets a, a drought comes? Because sometimes we can obey God. Y'all listen to me closely. Sometimes we can obey God. We can do what God has called us to do. We can say what God has called us to, uh, to say, and it will still end us up in a dry place. See, so many times we believe that if we just obey God, God's going to step out of the clouds and he's going to just fix everything that's wrong. But sometimes when we obey God, things get worse. And Elijah had to partake in the famine that God used him to speak of. But look at this, y'all. God gave him favor in the midst of famine. 
And I want you to type that, favor and famine. Even though we are in this world, even though we are, we are touched by this world system, we can be in this world and we cannot be suffering like the world because of who we belong to. The word of God says, he said, look, I, I put this word in your mouth to, to prophesy this famine in the world. But because you're my mouthpiece, because you are my child, because you have found favor with me through your obedience, I have commanded ravens <laughs> and I've commanded ravens to come and feed you if you go down by the brook. And that's a word for somebody today. That when we obey God, everything will not turn favorable immediately. But because you obey God, you qualify for his proficiency. You qualify for God's provision and his favor to provide for you, even if you're living in the same family that you just prophesied. So why am I saying that? Be obedient. Trust God. God knows what he's doing. All he asks us to do is obey, and God will take care of us. But I'll tell you this. God could have just sent venison to him, you know, sent animals that he could have easily killed. He could have easily just, you know, uh, fish could have leapt out of the brook. You know, God is in the business of miracles. But look at what he told Elijah to do. He told him to go down by the brook. And I'm going to have some ravens. Now, ravens are a, 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 a fancy, fancy uh, name, synonym for pretty much a buzzard. And what he's saying is, are you humble enough? I, I know you're bold enough to be my mouthpiece and to prophesy that there be no do no rain by my word. But are you humble enough to go down by a brook and wait for buzzards <laughs> to feed you bread and meat? How many of us are, you know, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm the man of God. I'm the woman of God. I'm the prophetess. I'm the prophet. You know, I need five-star treatment, and I need, I need to be picked up and escalated. And I know that, are you willing? Are you humble enough to go down to a brook? <laughs> are you humble enough to go down to a brook and let buzzards feed you? That's what, now I'm talking about Elijah, who is the master prophet. He was humble enough to obey God to the degree that he would let buzzards feed him. You know, the same, same birds that are, that are on the road picking over a, a dead deer or a dead kind of a skunk or something like that, the same buzzards. Do we have the humility to obey God and accept God's favor, even when favor results in buzzards bringing you meat? I just, I just want to challenge you because these are the ways, these are the tests of our humility. This is the test of our pride to see whether, if God said, if I can trust you in famine times, I can trust you in times of plenty. How do you manage your dry season? Let's pick up at seven. And look at this. Now, you would think, oh, man, this is a miracle. And, and, you know, Elijah said, man, God, I thank you, Lord, for providing this meat and this bread. And I'm down by this brook. But look at what happened in seven. Sometime later, the brook dried up <laughs> because there had been no rain in the land. That word is still, still producing. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked her, would you bring me 
a little water in a jar so that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he also called her and said, hey, can you bring me also a piece of bread? As surely as the God lives, as God lives, she replied, I do not have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. As a matter of fact, Elijah, I am gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat and die. I want to stop right there. I'm going to pick up a little bit later. But I don't know whether Elijah got too comfortable. I don't know whether God wanted to show him the next level of faith and favor that I have towards you. But the brook dried up. Have you ever been a place where God is supplying you in the midst of famine? And the thing that God is supplying you, the miracle that God is producing with you, you are, you are riding above the waves and above the circumstances. And all of a sudden, the very thing that God was providing sustenance to you, it dries up. Well, now all of a sudden, Elijah has to trust God again. So can you trust God when the ball keeps moving? Like, God. It'd be okay if you provide this, if you let me stay here. But can you trust a moving, evolving, transforming of God that one week it's like this and the next week God said, no, I'm not there anymore. My next level of favor is you're going to have to use some extra humility. And now you're the prophet of God. You're the one who, who spoke this whole famine into existence. You said by my word, it won't rain or it won't, it won't have any dew or rain. Are you going to trust God enough for your next station in the middle of your dry season. He said, if you're going to find a widow woman and she's going to have food for you, she's going to have food for you. So he saw the young lady. She was picking up sticks. He said, hey, he didn't want to ask her outright, hey, can I have some food? Can you give me a cup of water first? She said, oh, sure. Well, why are you on your way? <laughs> can you get me a, a morsel of bread? She said, prophet, I don't mind getting you some water, but as the Lord lives, all I got is a little bit of flour and a little bit of olive oil in a jug, and I'm gathering sticks so I can make a fire so we can make our last meal so we can die. You don't have bread, but what do you have? <laughs> let, let, let me ask you, you may be in a famineist a season in your life, or you may have been there where you didn't have the completed thing, but you had a couple of components. It may not be much. I've got sticks, I've got flour, and I've got oil. In the season that you're in, in the dry season that you may be in right now, you don't have the, the, the corner office. You don't have the six-figure income. You may be in debt up to your eyeballs, but what is it that you have? Like God asked Moses when he was faced with the Red Sea, what is it that you have in your hand? I know you don't have all, all the ability to fight Pharaoh and all those things, but what is it that is at your disposal? that I can still use. And I would submit to you today, you don't have everything. Everything that on your, on your vision board is not all fulfilled and everything is not falling in place like you thought it would be. Because we, were, we, we think in like a movie script that everything's going to be happily ever after and everything's just going to be a smooth ride. It may have gone down when you were expecting it to go up. But, I, but if you look around in your spirit, if you look around in the words that you have hidden in your heart, if you look around in words God has given to you in your times of meditation, 
petition and prayer, what is it that's at your disposal that you can render unto the Lord? I know you had thoughts and you had thoughts of grandeur that you will be up here by this time and it's in, in your timeline for yourself and you're way behind. But what is it that you have at your disposal right now that God can use? And so the widow says, I don't, I don't have much profit. And matter of fact, I was planning to make this little bit and die. Look at his response. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home as you were intending, but make me a small cake of bread first from what you, from what you were going to bring to me. And then make some for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of your flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain to the land. He made a faith demand on her. Look at this, y'all. He made a demand on her faith when she was in scarcity. Oh, and that's a word for somebody right now. Listen, rarely will there be a, a faith demand when you are in plenty or it would not take faith. God will make a demand on your faith when there is little to no resource around. I'll give you an example. He had, when, 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 when Jesus was teaching the 5,000 men and, and all the women, he said, I don't want, don't send them home. We're going to feed them. Jesus, how are we going to feed all these people? We don't have any food to feed these people. And the sun is going down. Let's just send them away. And he said, no, we need to feed them not only spiritually, but we need to feed them physically. Jesus made a demand when there was scarcity around. They found a little boy with some fish and some loaves, and Jesus made a miracle out of what was left. I got another example for you. He could have told Abram when he was in his 20s, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, you and Sarah. But he waited until he was old and stricken of age, and his season for bearing children, him and his wife, had passed. He said, now I want to make a demand on your faith. So if you're in a moment of scarcity, yet and still your God keeps giving you all these dreams and all these visions, you are right in alignment with God's M.O. of how he moves. God waits until there is little of nothing. In a moment of scarcity, he said, now I'm going to make a demand. He even told Abraham later on when Isaac was born, he said, look, I need you to go up there and make a sacrifice. He said, Abraham by faith, he said, look, I don't know what God is going to provide. But if I have to sacrifice my son, I'll do it. And God made a miracle and, and let a ram get caught in the thicket just in time because God wants to see where our faith is. And I'm telling you, if, 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 if it's in the realm of your possibility, if you can do it, it's not faith. God is making a demand on something that is beyond our ability. Because we, he wants us to rely on him for the supernatural. And so all God is asking us to do in dry season is bring your natural and yield it to me. You may not have much, but it is seed. It is enough for me to put my super on top of your natural and it will produce a miracle in your life. Somebody type when it's dry season. 
I don't want you, I don't want you to complain about dry seasons anymore because miracles are produced when scarcity is in its midst. Think about Jesus. Jesus' first miracle is when they ran out of wine. And then Jesus was able to produce something when it was not present. But he told her this. Look at his first response. She said, I don't, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I don't have enough for me, you, and him. I just have a little bit for us. I'm just going to make a cake and I'm just going to die. The first thing he tells her, he didn't give her instruction. He spoke to her fear. He said, don't be afraid. Can I tell you something? Obeying God can be scary. Obeying God, y'all, can be terrifying because God rarely, uh, he, he rarely makes a demand of us. He rarely makes a request of us in our places of comfort. There is something that is going to make us uncomfortable. There is something that is going to disrupt the way that we live, the way that we move, and how we conduct ourselves. There is something we're going to have to make an exchange for, and sometimes, majority of the times, stepping out on what God has called us to do, y'all, is scary. It's frightening. And so what, what Elijah in his wisdom, he, he spoke to her fear first. He said, because if this lady fear overrides her faith, she's not going she's, she's to block her access for her miracle. And he said, don't be afraid. Go home and make, make a cake for you and your son like you intended. But I want you to make a cake for me first. What you do first matters. I want somebody to type that in the chat. What I do first matters. When life hits you hard, when you're in a, 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 a famine state, when everything seems to be crumbling around you, be careful what you say and what you do when you get hit hard. Be careful what you say when tragedy hits you. Be careful what you say when, when, when the enemy comes in like a flood because the thing that comes out of your mouth first is the thing that heaven and hell is waiting on your words. Heaven the angels are saying, hey, if you say the right thing, we're going to come and we're going to come with favor and we're going to rescue. And the devil and his cohorts are saying, hey, if you say the right thing for us, that gives us legal right to get involved and to wreak all kind of havoc. Do you understand you are the manager and how you respond to when life happens? Determine whose plan is enacted in your life. If God told Jeremiah that I have plans for you, guess what? The devil has plans too. And your response to when life happens is going to determine whose plan is going to prevail. But we have to resist the urge to fear. It is our natural inclination for self-preservation. And when we fear things, we want, to, we want to hold in and we want to consolidate and we don't want to reach out, but we want to gather in to preserve ourselves. But the woman had already said, I'm preparing to die. So what do you have to lose? But I'll tell you this. In your dry season, your survival depends on your next obeyed instruction. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> Your survival in this dry season is dependent upon your next obeyed instruction. Now, only you know what obedience looks like. 
I can't come and say, thus saith the Lord, you need to do that. People like to depend on the prophet to come and tell them something because they, they, wanna, they want the accountability to be spread out amongst people. But you know the right thing to do. You know what God has told you, and you, you, keep, you keep delaying on it thinking God is going to change his mind. God will not change his mind. God's saying your survival in this season. Your survival in the dry places, your survival in the, the, the region of famine that you had nothing to do with, is your survival in this dry season is dependent upon your next obeyed instruction, meaning that you get, you get no extra credit for your obedience in the past. It is what is in front of you. So I, so I'm, I, want, I want to provoke you to think, Lord, what is it? that I need to obey you for to get out of this dry season. Because I, I believe that we're in dry seasons. Sometimes there are suffering in dry seasons. Sometimes God has called us and led us into a dry season. Sometimes it is enemies and circumstances of life that have, have led us to dry, famineous places. But I believe that we can obey our way out of it. And that's my challenge to you. Find something. God, what is it that you want me to obey? Because I, I believe that the sooner that I obey your instruction, the sooner I will get out of this dry season. And God wants you to know, say, I, I'm attracted to, I supply, I send favor, and I send provision where I see obedience. The decisions that you make in your dry season, determines the quality of your harvest season. 15 says, she went away and she did as Elijah told her. And as a result, there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did, did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. The decisions that you make in your dry season. So you, you think that the dry season came as God's punishment to you. No, God said, look, dry seasons are where I do my best work. <laughs> God, I thank you. Dry seasons when nobody wants to fool with you. When you feel like as soon as I get money, it's going, it's going, it's like it's holes in my pocket. God said, that's when I do my most miraculous work. So instead of you disgusting, having a disgust for this season, you need to relish in this moment. Say, God, you are setting the stage to do something that is about to blow my mind because you have favored me with this dry season. And so your response, the decisions that you make in this dry season will determine the quality of your harvest season. So there are a couple of keys to manage in your dry season. I just want to leave with you and I'll let you go for the evening. And it's this. Dry seasons are opportunities in disguise. I want you to write that down. Dry seasons are opportunities in disguise. What you look at as an adverse situation that has come to destroy you is really an opportunity for God to show how much he loves you, how much he favors you, and how special you are to him. 
It's an opportunity. And, 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 and I think that we will go through our dry seasons different if we simply have a different perspective. That God, you order my steps. You know the way that I take. You knew that I would be here from my mother's womb. So there must be purpose in this dry season. God, let me find the purpose and let me find my stations of obedience so that you can get your glory and I can get my elevation. Oh, God, I thank you. The perspective of this, number two, there is something that I need to develop, something that I need to learn, or something I need to do without. In my dry season. Let me tell you something. The closest thing to a dry season I can, I, I can recollect is going through this pandemic and going through a lockdown. We learned in America especially what we can and what we can do without. Businesses have found out that, you know what, we don't need everybody to come into the office. And so as a result... Businesses are saving money because they're not paying for, for, for 100,000 plus square feet for office space. They're realizing that people can meet over Zoom and people can meet remotely and people can have hybrid teams. You realize what you could do without. You thought that you couldn't do without a whole lot of things. And a famine that hit the land, something that was so out of our control, showed us what we could live without. Because during, during famines, things die. During a famine, things dry up. You thought that you couldn't make it without him. You thought that you couldn't make it without her. And God shut the door on a relationship. And God dried something up on a vine. And you thought that you couldn't make it without them. But God showed you. I am your supply. I am the one that knows the way that you take. I am your God. You are my child. I will give you favor in the midst of this famine. I want you to do opposite of what the young mother, the young widow said. She was preparing to die. But in the midst of famine, God needs you to prepare to, to live and not die. This thing that has come upon you, it's not for your destruction. It's not, it hasn't come to kill you. It's come to bless you. So instead of gathering sticks to prepare to die, God wants you to gather a whole, whole, whole bunch of sticks and gather a whole bunch of stuff, set the table, say, no, we are preparing to live and not die. Can I talk to somebody, that sickness that the doctors told you, gave you the, the diagnosis? It may be your own personal famine. But the word of the Lord to you tonight is prepare to live and not die. You may feel like everything you touch is crumbling and turning to powder. God, everything I try to do, the business is struggling, and I can't get people to the, to the contract. I can't get good contracts, and when people sign up for them, they, people renege on them. God said, prepare to live and not die. The famine came to stir your faith and to give an opportunity for God to show his powerful hand for you. And lastly, this dry season may not feel good, but I want you to know that God is involved in every dry season. He may not have caused it, but just, the, just because God did not cause it does not mean God will not use it. This dry season that you may be in or you may just be coming out of or you may watch this in the future, and you may be going into a dry season. Don't begrudge it. I know it doesn't feel good. I know it's not comfortable. I know you're not eating what you used to eat. I know you're not having the experiences that you used to have. 
But I'm telling you that this, the suffering of this present age is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in you. So endure hardness as a good soldier, man. Don't lose your faith. Don't change your confession. Just know that the famine and the dry season came as a vehicle to get you to your next station in your faith. If everything was hunky-dory, if everything was balloons and cotton candy, we wouldn't trust him like we do. We wouldn't pray like we do. We wouldn't read God's word if every day was just going straight up. God said, I got to take you through some winding roads and some ups and some downs. I'm going to lead you to a place flowing with milk and honey. But you appreciate it that much more if you're willing to endure and thank God for the dry place and the dry season. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for this word. Lord, and most of all, God, we thank you. We're mature enough to thank you for a dry season. Lord, we don't understand everything that you're doing, but we know that everything you do, everything that you do is good. And it's for our good. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord for changing our perspective so that we are good managers, not only of the high places, but God, you cause us to be good managers of our dry seasons. Knowing that in dry seasons, some things die that we didn't need. Knowing, God, that in dry seasons, we have to be uh, satisfied with what you provide us. Sometimes, God, it's a pride check. Sometimes, God, it is a humility check. That are we willing to go down to a brook and be fed by buzzards. So, God, we thank you. Lord, that wherever you lead us is the place that we need to be. So, Lord, if we're in a place of dryness right now, Lord, show us our next instruction that we need to obey so that we can produce a miracle in our lives, God. Lord, we love you. Lord, we bless you. And we're thankful, God. And we're so excited about what you're doing and what you are about to do in our lives, even if it requires us to go through a dry season. God, we love you. We bless you. And we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We pray that you were blessed today. If you would, I want you to do something for me. I want you to do something like Elijah made a demand on the widow to sow in the midst of famine. I don't know if you all know it yet, but gas, if you realize, if you go by the gas station, inflation is over 7% and gas is going here and they're projecting, projecting things to go higher. Guys, we are in the midst of what they call the beginning of a famine, an economic famine. But can you trust him? While those, some people are trying to hoard things to themselves, this is an opportunity in God's children who hear God's voice saying, this is the time to sow. And so we want to offer you an opportunity. Uh, I know you did, we did it earlier in the service. We want to uh, give you another opportunity to sow into the good work of World Overcomers Christian Church. If this word has been a blessing to you, if any word of anything that has been done by World Overcomers has been a blessing to you, we want to ask you to feed what's feeding you and sow into the good work of this kingdom. Now, I want you to join me back next week. Got one more week, y'all. Y'all got to stick with me one more week. We have a, the last installment of Can I Speak to the Manager? I believe that God has called you to be the manager so that he can build his kingdom through you. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week. Peace. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www 
www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.